0: Hey folks, Sam Jones here. Welcome to another edition of Off Camera, the show where I get to talk to iconic, creative, curious artists and find out how they got that way. And in this episode, I sit down with rapper, actor, and author Rasheed Lin, better known as Common. Common is a man who is anything but, and he's been evolving as an artist since the start of his three-decade-and-counting career as a freestyling and hustling young rapper from the south side of Chicago. These days, in addition to being a Grammy, Emmy, and Oscar-winning artist, Common is an established actor known for his work on AMC's Hell on Wheels and films like American Gangster, Selma, and Just Right, and an author who has published not only an autobiography, but also two children's books. Common describes himself as a conscious artist, someone who uses his platform to encourage social and political change. He believes it's the responsibility of an artist to say, I see what you're going through, and I'm going to stand up and use my voice, my talents, and my energy towards making our world better. In his song, Black America Again, he uses the power of music to show us the problems that arise from systemic racism and what we can do to resolve them. Despite his success, he's not living a life disassociated from the um, common people. You might even spot him on the 405 freeway during rush hour, writing a new song in his car. Yes, he even looks at gridlock as creative opportunity. That mentality started young, when Common discovered his knack for improvisational raps, otherwise known as freestyling, and would never hesitate to grab the mic at a house party and throw down. Ultimately, Common is an artist who cherishes the opportunity to grow and evolve. So if he has it his way, he'll be freestyling into his 70s. Common joins off-camera to discuss the responsibility of an artist, the socioeconomic underpinnings of hip-hop braggadocio, and why he loves to feel nervous when he's starting a new project, and how being a mama's boy has worked out pretty well for him. So pull up a chair and listen in.
1: I love this studio, like it's cool, man. Let's hey, Common. got a vibe. Hey, hey, what's going on? Sam? How you doing? How are you? Good. Thanks for doing this. Uh, thank you for having me. I mean, you're busy. Well, look. When it's if you saying come, let's talk. I'm coming. I'm showing well, I, up.
0: Bro. I, I can't believe we got you here. I mean, you've got like two films coming out this year. You got a new record. Yeah. Right. I'm excited. August Green. August Green is. You've written books. You've you're one T away from an EGOT. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you've got an Emmy, Grammys, an Oscar, and. I'm assuming you're secretly working on a Broadway musical. Oh well, no. I gotta
1: say, I definitely want to do Broadway. I would love to do Broadway, but I wanted to do Broadway before I won any award. You know, for me, it's about putting the best art forward, and whatever comes, any accolades that come after that,
0: you, you know. Of course. You're like yes, yes thank you. No, and I, I don't. I doubt that anyone who. Achieves that level of status. I don't think you can go into it looking yeah. for awards. That's
1: Sam. You know, as an artist, that's exactly what it, it, you have to like lead, be led by your your intuition and your passion and your creative like drive and imagination. And you go in with that purity and like shoot. I've been making music for 25 years. Around the 23rd year was like one of the the most Glorious times when, when, when the song Glory got an Oscar award, you know These opportunities and these blessings of awards really give you just more access to To use your platform to do greater things, you know, right. what I mean, like
0: that's right that's, Well when I watched your performance on the on the Oscars uh, And that the whole recreation of the Edmund Pettus Bridge is yeah. on stage It was a moment like no other in terms of the power it had on television the, the speech that you gave the performance of the song on the stage and and I was so curious about that because this was 2015 and you know Obama's president and this is happening and and in the speech you talk about this bridge that was a symbol of discrimination and hatred is now a symbol of unity and then two years later here we are again back to where you're writing songs that I mean like on black america again and unlike and letter to the free where where the whole message is you can't trust that at all. Yeah, And I guess it got me curious about art in terms of resistance. Like, do you think that in a way, the music you're making now, the idea of hip hop in general, is it almost more powerful when there's more resistance?
1: Yeah, I think it becomes um, the music, like hip hop in particular, or music that that has resistance to it and protest to it and social consciousness to it, it becomes more valuable during, during these times because people are in need. People are in search of hope. They're in search of answers, in search of inspiration. Um, like one of the, the the times that birthed like the social conscious hip hop was when Reagan was in office in the 80s. Right. And Public Enemy and these artists would talk about conscious things and, and talk about social, socially relevant things. And it was needed because it was, you had so much war, the war on drugs and so much being targeted towards our communities and so much. It was a lot of turmoil, too, when when Reagan was in office. So, you know, this music now, the art and the culture, just all of it, film, storytelling, all of it is so important right now because we as a people have been searching for, for answers. We want, like... Some positive leadership, and I think through the music you get that too, through the art, and it does become more relevant during these times.
0: It's great that you brought up the idea of, of Reagan as a as a place where hip hop began, because I remember I was in college when Reagan yeah. was there, and I was a political cartoonist, and there was an abundance of things to write about and things to be angry about, and and, it, and those kind of moments in life they do spawn movements. But at the same time, it's got to be a little frustrating.
1: Oh, man, I mean, yeah, it, it, I, Sam, it's, it's definitely like sometimes it, it wears on you when you like, wait, we have to go back to, to address this again. We have to deal with this issue again. But I do believe somewhere in our hearts we knew that that racism still existed when Obama was in office. but it's we kind of like were living in, a, in the dream for a minute. The dream that, that actually Dr. King talked about, the dream that, uh, of what many people who've, who've helped shape this country really wanted to see. And Obama like helped inspire that and, and move things forward and help us to see what the country has the potential to be, but it's still in the surface, that disease of racism and sexism still existed. Like it's like having a good father in the home, you know. We, you feel secure. You feel, you know, like everything is okay. Like life is good. But then um, once that father left the home and it's somebody else at the head of the house, the fear came, and and a lot of the 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 hatred that did exist obviously surfaced. I'm not saying anything we all didn't see, but it is to say it's frustrating. It's it's more like. Dang, man, is we still dealing with this? Okay, we got to go to work harder. And I think in the in the best of ways, it's bringing out the best of us. Well, I'll say in, in the worst of ways, it's not the best of ways that it's happening, but I think that it's necessary to bring out the best in some of humanity. That's, we get to see, like, okay, these are the people that really want to work through these issues and want to come together and find ways and are willing to work. And these are the people that's continuing... The the, the the hatred and, and some of the the negativity that the country had was built on, and if they want to keep that, then let them live in that world just let 's figure out ways that we can create a better world for the people who want to do who want better and for those who don't shouldn't have to suffer with those who are spewing out hate so i 'm not happy to write these songs i'm you know meaning i 'm grateful. That I can be a voice and I want to use my purpose, you know, f- for the highest good. But I gotta address it, and I feel like that's the duty of an artist. And it gives us really productive and healthy ways to express some of the the, the hurt, the anger. Oh yeah. You you know what I'm saying? Like as you said, it being you you are a cartoonist expressing what you needed to say at that time for the people. And and one thing that I really appreciate about being an artist that does speak to the times, is that the music becomes less about you, or the art becomes less about, man, check me out. Like, that's the thing about like, stand up for something, and, and Glory, and Black America again, and Letter to the Free. These songs are not written like, yo, I'm the dopest, check me out, this is what it is. That's that's cool, that's part, that's part of the culture and hip hop, and that's fun, but you see something going on you like man it's bigger than me like I gotta right for the people who are not being heard I got a right to inspire the people who are dealing with these situations including myself we're dealing with all this this turmoil I gotta write for that so it's it's um... Prince used to say it's powerful in songs when you don't hear the word I and I think um... When, with a lot of the art that we're seeing going on right now it's a we mentality
0: you bring up something that that struck me as I was watching that speech you gave, which is, that's sort of a moment for an artist, right? You have this platform that you realize, and it's almost like the culmination of your American dream is that you're up there receiving an award for this song, which is a a beautiful song, but it's exactly what you're saying about not wanting to make it about yourself at that moment. Like, you get up there and you have an obligation almost.
1: Yeah, it's our responsibility to say, I see what you are going through, and I'm going to stand up and do something for you i'm going to to use my voice use my resources use my talents use my time my energy towards making your world better that's why it's so crucial for us as men right now with the me too movement happening and time's up it's important that that women get the support of us as men and they hear from us as men like to speak that are speaking up because we haven't experienced some of the same things they have, but they need to know that we're there to support them. And in their leadership, as they, with this movement, you have full support of men who care. Basically, I'm saying, in the struggle for black and brown justice, it can't just be black people fighting for it. You know? So the white man's responsibility is, is the same that, that falls on the black man. We might not have the same experience, but, but, our responsibility to each other and the humanity, especially being in this country, because this country was built <laughs> by both of us, absolutely, all of us. so it's <laughs> like, yeah this, this thing's fall it falls on all of us, and that's what I think um that mentality is funny, you said, Sam, about when you start off I started off writing just about me, I wanted nothing I didn't feel bad about it. I'm writing like you know as a as a teenager I'm writing like how dope I am. I want all these artists to know I'm dope and blah blah blah. Then eventually I realized my music cuz I wrote a song about abortion. I'm realizing people coming up to me telling me, "Man, your song made me decide to have my child and your song made me decide to get married and have my child." And I was like, "Wow, this music really I was just telling my story. So then I started to see wow I can really affect people's lives. See, I come from the south side of Chicago. I see the poverty. I see the the struggle that human beings go through. You like, I gotta speak up for this. I gotta say something. And that's when it becomes that that thing where we just talked about, the we, and you understand the we and all of it. And, and and another thing is like, we don't have to think uh, we don't have to always agree on everything to come to a a point of understanding or a point of being able to support each other. You know, it's like, I, I don't agree with everything, you know, my mother th- thinks, and I love my mother more than, you know, it's God and my mother, you know, but I don't agree with everything she thinks, but we come to a point of understanding and, and just move forward. And we might not always agree on that, just we still got to move forward. Um, so I think, I mean, I know we haven't had that interaction as, as as um, black and white in many parts of our country to feel as close but we gotta work, it takes work, man. That's one thing I did learn a lot about when I I worked um, on Selma. I just saw the work that it takes for for people to make change. Like, it's it's a daily thing. Like, the way we work on ourselves but the way we work to change communities and change policies, they put, they worked every day.
0: Right, well, what I hear you saying is that You can have that realization but then it it takes a while to also harness that power yeah i I put you in a category of songwriters that you did come to this realization early on that there's a larger world out there for somebody who can look past their own experiences or or that they can see how being specific about their own experiences can have an effect on people and then being aware of that effect right and i think you talk about the reagan era of hip-hop I connected with that much more than, than the next era, which was all about bragging, basically. Right, like, right, right. And I look at a song like Black America again, and I go, well, here's a guy that's not only writing about his experience and his understanding of his culture, but who's also offering a solution. Yeah. Can I read a few but, lyrics for yeah, you? Yeah, yeah, sure, Okay, please and please. I, I just grabbed a little part from it, where you say, Who stole the soul from black folk? Same man that stole the land from chief black smoke and made the whip crackle on our backs slow and made us go through the back door and raffle black bodies on the slave blocks. Now we slave to the blocks and on them we spray shots, leaving our own to lay in a box. Black mother's stomach stay in a knot. We kill each other, it's part of the plot. To me, it's one of the most depressing and true lyrics about our history as Americans. And it reminds me of this cycle of having hope and then having, having to realize you have to go through that again. But then one minute later in the song, you offer a solution in the form of a James Brown soundbite in which he says, you know, one way of solving a lot of the problems that we got is letting a person feel that they're important. And a man can't get himself together until he knows who he is and be proud of what and who he is and where he come from.
1: Yeah, I think like anything, anywhere in songwriting now from where I've grown to, I like to give a journey. Like, I like to take you like I, I talked about the history of, you know, slavery and that peace, so we can understand where some of the, the ills of that we're dealing with in the black community comes from. And so other people can see too, like, yo, this is yo, you broke families up, you took people away from mothers from children, fathers from wives, um and their children and and, and actually, you know, dehumanized and told people that they weren't human beings. So and this was Hundreds of years of of that process, and now you know we have to deal with it. We carry that weight, and we're looking at each other in certain areas when poverty is around, and and you know is drugs in the environment, and we're seeing why we it, we're destroying each other. Well, the bigger problem is systemic, but you know, and it has root. It has been rooted in slavery, and that is the cause of it. So I write about that to give you the origin, the evolution and the issue where we are now, but then I also look always look for solutions. It's always got it's always light at the end of the tunnel. there's no point in life that I don't feel there's light at the end of the end of the tunnel. I may be going through it and you may see me de- depressed and, and crying about it and feeling all down but at some point a, a light gonna come on and I'm gonna wake up and see it's light at the end of the tunnel. So that knowledge of self, um, love for self, knowing your community, really gives you a grounding and, and a, um, a base and a foundation to work from as a human being to, to have some type of self-esteem and self-love and self-pride. Even if I haven't figured out all the solution, I still want to offer something because if I'm just telling you the problem, then how am I helping you? You know right. what I'm saying? Like I strive
0: to do that with the music. Did you realize at one point in your life that the more autobiographical you could be, the more specific you could be about your own experience, the more your art would become what it was supposed to be?
1: Yeah, I think, yeah, the more I told my truth, I felt like the better chance it had to be recognized by by the multitudes, by bigger audiences. But it's funny because it's like kind of a paradox in that where you are... You're telling your specific truth because that's your truth, and you're not telling it because I'm like, yo, I think I want to reach this person over in Amsterdam or this person in Colorado. You don't know if it will or, or don't. You just like this is the, this is my truth, and I got to tell it. But one thing I had to say, Sam, about what we were talking about with with those that era where where cats were rhyming a lot about just money and and just you know stuff you probably didn't relate to. Um, some of that stuff I didn't relate to either because that just wasn't where my mentality was, even right. though I enjoyed some of the music sometimes. But the more and more I understood, I was like, okay, we got young, poor, black kids just that get a chance to do something and they think right now that the only, like the thing that's most valuable is having those, like coming out of poverty and having something, money. So that was like the mentality and I stopped looking at it down upon it, even if I didn't enjoy it. Like, let's take Jay-Z for example. Look at Jay-Z. Jay-Z came from all the stuff he rapped about till now when you come to his latest album, it's his most personal, personal album, most introspective. When do you hear about a dude that goes from talking about all the dope he sold and how rich he is to talking about I go to a therapist and therapy has been the best thing. I saw him in an interview say the hardest thing he um d- not dealing on the streets or or dealing with, you know, like shooting at people or sh- people shooting at him. He said the hardest thing he had to do was therapy, dealing with himself. So f- my point is people take it take time for people sometimes when they coming from environments where man, th- shit is crazy. Shit is yeah. crazy and then you don't see anything, so you think a car is, the, is your hope or just having some money, that's, that's your, where your pride is. And then you realize, like, man, you know, I, of course I want abundance, but it's so many other things to life. But it just takes time, because it's like, you got people coming from, like, the, the grittiest, the, the grimiest and, and grittiest parts of life. So that's why I think some of that perspective
0: yeah, was coming from. I feel like you had to go through all of that evolution kind of publicly yeah. because the art form that you chose is autobiographical and it is about speaking your truth. Yeah. Your whole kind of growing up is, is sort of in the public eye, right?
1: Yeah, well, I think, okay. I grew up, f- fortunately, um, around friends who really allowed me to be myself and it was like, whether you sat there and just, you know, whether you're farting around them, doing whatever, you just got to be yourself. Meaning, whether you're scared of something, whether you think you're tough, that helped me in my confidence in going as an artist to just be able to tell my story and be open and um, also be, be vulnerable too. Because even when my friends joked on me, they still showed that, they cared. And um I think I was a leader in certain ways in just being able to just be a vulnerable man. Um, and and be an open man, an open hearted man and like and show my compassion towards those things. That don't doesn't mean I was like still wasn't doing stuff to, you know, like hanging out, kicking it, getting getting into trouble and, and that doesn't mean right. I was perfect either. But but the point is with being around that environment helped me to go out in the world and be able to tell my story and not be really fearful about growing up in front of people. In fact, I didn't know any better at the beginning. I'm just like, yo, I'm going to show my ass wherever I am go. going to show, like, whatever it is, the flaws. I think we have to be patient with ourselves enough to know that we develop
0: like that and also l- allow other people to grow. People change, you know, so. Do you think you're unique in that ability to sort of accept yourself and, and, and not be such a self-critic or to feel emotion and to express emotion? I mean,
1: I think some of the best artists are able to express those emotions, but I do think it's a unique quality that that you kind of really want to encourage in, in, hum, in humanity and in human beings to be able to be like, man, just be who you are. Right. Accept yourself first and foremost. And I think That's something that I really, you know, do my best to tell my daughter or any younger person, like, look, man, just, you got to just be you. And if people, and you got to accept people for where they are at that time. And I think finding those unique qualities is what, where you get the, where you find the geniuses, where you find the, the most talented people who shine like they're supposed to because they have that unique quality.
0: Hey folks, let's take a little break from the conversation so I can tell you about this week's sponsor, BetterHelp Online Counseling. You know, throughout my life I have gone through periods where I've done therapy for various reasons. I remember in my 20s when I was first trying to find a therapist, I was literally looking in the phone book and cold calling and I ended up finding somebody that, you know, was across town and it took me an hour to drive there and I knew nothing and and it was a very difficult, you know, blind leading the blind sort of situation to try to find a therapist that could help you. Well, with BetterHelp, the whole system has changed. And what BetterHelp does is they offer licensed online counselors who are trained to listen and help. And you can talk with your counselor in a private online environment at your convenience. BetterHelp counselors have expertise in a broad range of areas, including anxiety, grief, depression, relationship conflicts, and they can give you access to help that may not be available in your area. I wish I would have had this a long time ago because I'm the first one to say if things aren't working out and if you can't figure something out or if you feel stuck, you got to find some help. So here's what you do, you fill out a questionnaire to help assess your specific needs, and then you get matched with your counselor in under 48 hours. Then you can easily schedule secure video or phone sessions with your therapist. Plus you can exchange unlimited messages. And of course everything you share is confidential. And if for any reason you are unhappy with your counselor, you can request a new one at any time at no additional charge. So join the one million plus people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of experienced BetterHelp counselors. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp. They are currently recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. BetterHelp is an affordable option. And for our listeners, you can get 10% off your first month with the discount code CAMERA. So if you need some help, if you need someone to talk to, try BetterHelp online counseling. Get started today at betterhelp.com camera. You can talk to a therapist online and get help. Now back to the show. You write in your book about when you were recording I Used to Love Her, and I think you were on the mic for the first time, and some of your friends hadn't heard yeah. the song, and they thought you were writing about a woman, mm-hmm. and you describe this moment where you're in the booth, and you can see them, and they're starting to shake their heads like, oh, this is not good, <laughs> yeah. and then you get to the last line, and you said, who I'm talking about is hip-hop, and then they're like, oh, yeah, that's great, and, and it was a watershed moment for you in the book because you describe, like, Man, will I not be accepted if this was a song about a woman? Yeah. Like it was sort of like you discovering as an artist in real time, sort of the response to an emotional song. Yeah, it was. It was interesting to me. Like, nah. tell me about sort of that feeling when
1: yeah.
0: when you saw that reaction. And
1: well, I mean, obviously, looking back on it as an adult man, it's kind of f- funny to think like. Oh man, you couldn't even write a love song at that point. Like you know, without your friends being like, "What are you doing?" Because th- the reason why they were frowning was just because it's like, "Why are you writing a love song?" And see, we were like listening to to everything, all the hip hop, and, and our mentality wasn't like, "Oh, let me do this love song," and like even you know, we weren't yet mature enough to express our our, our like love for a girl in in a way where. You could say to your boy like, "Man, I'm really in love with her," and then he like, "Oh man, that's great, man. Keep on." Like, it's more like, "What? Like, what are you doing? Like, what? You you know, like, you know." So that mentality was just a young, um, immature place. But as I was rapping the song and my friends were responding like that, two things popped up. One was like, "I can't wait till I get to this last line because I want to see how they're gonna react." And when I said who I'm talking about, y'all, is hip-hop, they just, oh, my God, they loved it. They was like, oh, that's crazy. But then I also start at that moment to realize, man, I got to be able to rap about whatever I want to, whether it's a love song or whether it's about God, whether it's about, um, you know, the hurt that I feel or things that I'm afraid of. Because one thing you have to take on as, a, as an artist is you got to be a leader. You gotta be a like a leader in thought, a leader in in the mentality, of, like a leader in courage too. Like me, you know, like, I'ma step out there. Like I stepped out and wore crochet pants and crochet hats when my friends was like, "What are you doing? This is terrible," <laughs> you know. But I mean, think about it. If artists like Prince or or you know Dylan, for that matter, sure. just didn't step out and just be themselves and just express what they thought, like, we wouldn't have some of the best music ever created. So you got to step out and be courageous. So I started realizing that moment, I got to be a leader in thought.
0: That's so interesting to describe it that way, because I think a lot of people feel that being an artist means sort of, you know, going into your own little space and, and finding your voice. But it's not often expressed as you have to have the courage to say, I'm gonna go this way when everyone else is going that way.
1: Oh man, I think go- being able to have that courage is what I believe creates careers. Because one thing I've noticed about, specifically def- <laughs> specifically the, a hip hop audience, is if you continue to do the same thing, eventually they'll just be like, ah, we're on to, we want something else. Because somebody else will start coming to do something new, right. and it just will feel fresh to them. Um, first they'll say, okay, man, why you change it up? You know, like, if they'll, they'll be like, don't, don't change it up. Oh, this album sounds too different from the last. But if you know how to, as an artist, just evolve and, and be courageous enough to go this way, then I think it prolongs your career. And I, and I use the example of, whether it's myself or Kanye, Myself, I had an album called Like Water for Chocolate, yeah. which in 2000 it was my biggest selling album up to that date, and it came out, the song The Light was on it and it really did very well for me. And the next project I released was called Electric Circus. I was going into Pink Floyd and Led Zeppelin and Jimi Hendrix and I just took music where hip hop, where it hadn't been and people were like, what are you doing? This is crazy, this is terrible. But I went, came back and eventually did some work with Kanye and we did the album B. And it kind of like was a new birth for me and it helped me to grow. And it also made people be like, yo, this dude, you gotta be aware that he'll go anywhere he wants to go. People came back later, like just recently in 2017, they talked about how the album Electric Circus was one of the like classic albums now and all. So it's about taking those chances because if you keep giving people the same exact thing, it's like, it's basically like having sex in the same position all the time. You get tired of it. Right. <laughs> you, wanna, you gotta try something else. So I think that's where the evolution and the courage comes from and it's necessary.
0: I think the people that put the same thing out over and over again, whether it's the same movie or the same song or whatever it is, that's more fearful approach where they're trying to hold on to something right and trying to control an audience reaction or a fan reaction
1: yeah that's such a great point sam because it's really a fearful place to keep doing the same thing and it's really like almost like um you got to be humble enough to grow to be like no that i i have to get better i have to grow and if i stay open to taking in new things, new information, exposing myself to new things, then I can allow that growth and I can create new projects and new art. And that's our duty as an artist. We gotta take them there, but take them there in a way that's incredible. Your journey should be able to show like how you evolved as a person, really. Right. To be honest, it's like, we don't, I'm not the same person I was 17 years ago i'm not the same person i was two years ago to be honest
0: right yeah well it's so cool to hear you talk about this because i feel like the other thing you bring up is is to be an original artist you can't have too heavy of a self-critic in inside your head stopping you you know what i mean i think that's why often we look to artists earlier works as the sort of that subconscious period where they were able to just do stuff and not worry about the reaction or maybe there weren't stakes maybe they they didn't have a family and a uh, you know a whole entourage to pay for or whatever but but i look at and this was enlightening too reading your book i look at your very earliest years developing as an artist and you talk so much about um about freestyle yeah because freestyle really is like the Comparison would be improv. Yes, film, improv- right? yes, improv. Yes, improv. And to be able to get up in front of people and let yourself out without thinking about it, like let your subconscious out, I mean, do you think that that is the best training for someone who's originally go on to be an original artist and who's going to take chances? and?
1: I really feel it's like one of the purest and most divine ways to express yourself as an artist because... You don't have time to think, you're just allowing the process to flow as it flows, and you're not being self-conscious about it really. You got, like, when you're really in that space of of freestyle, f- that space of improv, You and it's so, like, connected with the people that you are there with, it's present.
0: It's an experience it, 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 that only happens that one time in that, that one way. Only
1: that in that way, and you know, Being present is one of the biggest gifts we have. Like, so, like, to be able to freestyle is like, you really acknowledging the presence of those that you are listening and yourself. You just saying, I'm here, and I'm aware of you, I'm aware, I'm aware, and I'm just gonna utilize these things, and I think it does give you a freedom and it keeps that inner child, like, to be that great artist Throughout time, you gotta always keep that child alive in you, and that's for the joy definitely...
0: of it, not for like the results of it or whether no. you're gonna be liked or not. Yeah,
1: no, it's it's the joy, it's the joy, and it's recognizing the gift and just being unafraid um, to to express it. Is the job of an artist is not to judge or to critique the work they do; it's to allow the, the divine expression to come through them. Like when you create something, it's not for you to look at and say, oh, this is good or bad. It's just for you to allow it to, to just flow through you. And if you think about that from a freestyle or any perspective of just creating, if we can create without like really being critical of it and just allowing it to come through, you will get some of your best workout. That's just as simple as that. I write my songs riding around in my truck. I don't write the words down. I just say it out loud, say stuff out loud, and then whatever. Do you record it as you go, or do you just say it? I just say it. Look, Sam, it started, my same friend who was in the studio with me, when I did I Used to Love Her, I was with him, and he was going to visit one of his friends, and he went inside, and I just stayed in the car, and I was drinking, and I didn't have a pen. So I came up with these thoughts. I was listening to a beat and I came up with these thoughts, and I just had to remember it. So then I just kept going, and I remember what I said. And then eventually I got back in the car another time and did the same thing, and I was like, wow, this is this is a nice little process. And um, since then, since 94, like no album have I written down my songs. Like,
0: that blows me away, yeah. because what you do is poetry. It's, you know, it, you. it's spoken word. I can't imagine that you don't write it down,
1: well, I believe that um it's a freedom in just
0: being able to listen and just and you say remember thanks. everything, yeah, I, I remember it for some reason, so you're saying that it's possible that someone could pull up next to you at a red light, turn and see, well, there's common, and he's actually working on a song right now, yeah, I'm
1: working on yeah, I'm definitely <laughs> look, people complain about l a traffic. I'm like, nah, I like it. You know, I mean, not that I always want to be mobile stuck in it. Yeah, it's like, dude, I, I literally go and get in my truck and ride up the PCH. I mean, not all the way up, but I'll go drive through Malibu and what is it, Zuma and a couple of places just to write. That's my, like, go,
0: going. I'm going to write. I wonder if the motion has something to do with it too, with, with getting the mind, because it's true. It's like, how do you get in that space where it's not work, and it's not, uh, you know. I'm I'm gonna write it down, then I'm gonna critique it. It, but to just let it flow out of you, that's important. What you just said is,
1: is really important. How you gotta get in, into that space where it's not work, man. It's not work. It's like, it's just you doing what you love. Khalil Gibran said, "Work is love made visible." So, it's important to get to exactly what you said. Get in a space where it doesn't feel like work. Even if you know, okay, I gotta write this song for this film, and I need to have it done by Friday, then you still gotta find that space to feel like I'm gonna be as creative and just come with what's the inspiration. And just stick, focus on the inspiration.
0: Is it a muscle you still have to work out? Like, like I'm, I'm sure you don't have as many opportunities now to freestyle or something, but yeah. but do you find that, that it's harder now that you're older, or or do you find that it's, like, have you found ways to get into that space? Oh yeah, I, dude, it's definitely a
1: muscle, and I work that muscle, like, meaning, I uh, I just did an event the other night, and I was doing the song Stand Up For Something, and at the end I told the the um, pianist to keep playing, because I just wanted to freestyle. And I would say within the past two to Two to three weeks, I've definitely freestyled publicly in at least three places. You're kidding me. No, nah, so, so it's something that I feel like I'm, it's something I'm constantly evolving and growing with. And when I don't do it as much, I feel it. It, it doesn't mean that I wouldn't, you know, I still would, would you know, have that inner desire and, and ability to do it but I, but it is something that you want to keep doing like i mean my shows any performance live performance i'm doing i i would say the all the time <laughs> i'm going to have a freestyle segment cuz i know what freestyle does for people it makes people feel really close to what you're doing and they they appreciate the the improv and right. the presence and acknowledgement of them so yeah i stick you know this is something i used to, i was doing riding in the car with my friends just freestyling for them, and we would battle freestyling, all those things, but it became something that was very valuable to me in performance, and I've been at church where I've had to freestyle, because the pastor said, look, come and come up, and I'm like, oh man, I can't curse, <laughs> I gotta make sure I can say whatever he said about in the sermon, I gotta, and I gotta recall some of the Bible books that I read, so, you know, freestyling, I've done it. I've used it in different areas and arenas, and it's you know it's a valuable thing, but it's a muscle that you definitely have to continue to to work at. But I will say, it's some you know it's not it's not going to always make you write great songs because it's people that have, are great freestyle rappers who haven't been able to conjure up the the quality songs like a song where it's a, where it's a theme to it and. It's, story to it or just you know something that has direction so i think as much as it helps you to develop and work as an artist and, and be better freestyling you still have to know how to write songs
0: i like that it, that you describe it as a, almost a conduit to the inner child like yeah. that's the pipeline and you wouldn't want to lose that
1: look i want to freestyle you know till till i'm gone and god willing you know and like and hopefully that's the old age when i'm and that's how I want to be as a as an MC, as an artist, writer, and as an actor.
0: It sounds like you don't want to rest on what you've already done at all. Oh no, I I feel like I feel like I would be
1: doing an injustice to to life, to myself, um to the gifts and to God if I don't like work at what I do, work at the things that I love and work at the gifts that I've been given and develop them and grow them. And yeah, if I don't work towards those gifts or work with those gifts and evolve them then I'm not doing what I'm supposed to do what is life so I gotta do it every day I wanna work towards it every day
0: right you know what's amazing to me is that you started acting after you were already a full blown like you had a fully successful career as a musician yeah and to me I would think there's some vulnerability associating with that and I think what's interesting to me about you is that you were willing to go backwards in a way to, to get into another art.
1: First of all, like acting is something that, like I told you before, I love theater and I love like f- movies and TV too, of course, but movies and theater I really love, right? So it was something that I never knew that I could participate in. Um, in fact, the first play that I, I did my mother talked so well about my friend, how good he was at Scrooge. I was Tiny Tim, that it kind of detoured my little acting career. You were I, Tiny Tim. Yeah, I was Tiny Tim, and uh, <laughs> and he was. Uh, my mother was like, "Oh, Derek was so great. Derek was so great." And I was like, "Derek, Derek your I'm, manager." Yeah, Derek, my manager,
0: was like. <laughs> I so, love that your manager, by the way, was Scrooge. He was Scrooge. That's exactly
1: who he was. <laughs> so, but I'll say this: this okay to to move forward. I I. I was really searching it. I was searching for a new form of expression as an artist because I felt like my music was hitting like a point where I, I didn't know where to go and I didn't want to force it and I needed another way to express myself. Okay. I started trying to play the piano that wasn't like it didn't feel natural. You played uh, pretty well in Just Right. Yeah, I was decent. I mean, <laughs> but I, you know, this, that's a movie. <laughs> no, <laughs> I did study though. I will say that. Um, but, but. The first acting class I went to, it it just hit my spirit, it hit my soul. I was like, this is it.
0: How come? I'm you not. Think? I like, think what was I, it about? It? it was
1: it was one of those things where I was like, wow, I've never tapped into this part of me before, and I really feel like I have the heart and the spirit to be great at this. Like. I I feel something inside me says that I can be great at it. You know, you get that feeling where you're like, man, I really love this. Like the first points of class and what I was expressing, I was like, I never had this feeling before. You know, so for me to love music as much as I do and and to find another art form where I have experienced something brand new and it feels just as passionate, I knew that acting was something that I had to pursue. And I love just as much as I can can feel like divine and and in free freestyling and feel the best when I come across a song that I've written something that I feel really proud of or feel great about. If I'm in a scene and I'm like really present and I know I'm doing what that character that character is alive, I feel just as um, rewarded and just as um, passionate and just as grateful. Right. But something you brought up earlier, Sam, was I was willing to start from zero too, you know, because I'm like, I enjoy the journey of craft, the journey
0: of life. Well I, that's the thing, like after reading your book and you said that film work can still make you nervous in a way that music doesn't. And and who you're talking about and the people you've had the chance to work with, like Morgan Freeman, like Denzel, I guess if I put myself in your shoes, it would be hard to separate the work from the person sitting across. But I would yeah. wonder if you can even accept that you should be in the same room with these people. Do you yeah. know what I
1: mean? Yeah, I mean, look, when, when I get in a, when I'm like booked in a movie that's starring Angelina Jolie and Morgan Freeman and James McAvoy, or Denzel Washington, Ruby Dee, God bless Our soul, and Russell Crowe, I'm calling everybody that I love, like, yo, I'm in a movie with Denzel, like, this is incredible, like, you know, and I feel that. But then it's time to get to work and and prepare and get ready to deliver and be able to be present because the director don't care about you being happy to be with Denzel or, you know, like, and is it nervous? Do I, have I been nervous? Yes, of course, but I love the nervous. Feeling I get before starting a film, or even you know, if I'm about to perform somewhere, and it's, I like that—that's part of the joy, of the child in me that still loves what I do, that I, I really love it. So I'm—I I'm, love the nervous aspect of it. It's just about channeling that and getting past that, and allow you know, still delivering. As much as I know I'm in the scene with these greats, I still know that I have to deliver and be a, like in excellence so that our film will be good. I want to do my part, right? I was selected for this role and I'm going to give I want everybody that from the director to everybody involved to be like that was the right person for the role. And I want to look myself in the mirror and say I did well in that role. I did excellent in that role. So, I'm just going to give him all I, I, by the time I get, you know, I'm using a basketball reference, but by the time I get on the court it's like, I can't remember it's Michael Jordan no more or, or it's like LeBron James or Kobe. It's like, I got to play.
0: You right. Yeah, yeah, and that's a great analogy because you're playing with the LeBrons and the yeah. Kobe's of yeah. the acting world, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And I think acting is one of those weird things where you can overwork it and not be as good as you could be because you're too tight or you're trying too hard. Like, how do you be prepared, but then how do you also be open and, like you said earlier about music, be present yeah. enough... To let that natural thing flow through, because I think, you know, the only way to get there is if you go through a thing where you realize there's a science to this, but there's also oh, yeah. a letting go.
1: Yeah. Well, oh, yes. I had to get to that point. I'm glad you brought that up. Now, that was one of the most important lessons was, for me, was like, OK, your preparation and what you bring, all the research you've done, the work you've done. Now you just have to let that be alive and trusting. It's really trusting in what, you, what you're what you working, trusting in yourself. Um, and also not being in the way of being present. You have to, like, but it comes with experience. Like I'm th- I thank God that I was on a television show called Hell on Wheels. Right. That experience, I think it clicked in at one point when I had to deal with just being present. And, and uh director just let me improv. He created a space for me to be the character and the actor. He helped prep me in so many ways, and we prepped together, and I prepped, that I was able to let that character live, and, and I understood where present was. Now, some films after that, I still got in my head and was like, oh, I gotta do it this way, and kept trying to do it the same way or do it right, but.
0: Did you have that thing in f- it, it, where, you were acting but at the same time there was a voice in your head kind of critiquing and yeah, you had that, to that, get over that?
1: That's the worst, man. It's like anytime you're thinking about what your acting is, is that's, you're not present. You know, your character is not expressing him or herself. Um, and it's just, it's just not the way, like this conversation we're having right now I'm present. I'm able to talk to you. I'm listening. We, you know, thoughts come. From, if my ankle itch, I'ma scratch it. As long as it's your ankle. <laughs> yes, yeah, so the ankle, man. They, my ankles are, are nice and greased up too. No, no but
0: I hear you. I it, like. You're right. It, like you're not thinking about it. and You're present. But yeah. how? But getting there when there's two cameras and sixty crew members and
1: Ooh, yeah, yeah. I mean, but that just some of that comes with experience. Some of that definitely. I have to be grateful that I've been a performer because I'm not like really nervous about the person watching me or somebody watching me do something that right. feels embarrassing for some people. In fact, I think acting gave me a freedom that I didn't even have as a as a musician yet. How so? Because if you asked as an actor to to like cry, you you need you gotta cry. Or if you asked as an actor to Digging your nose, you got to do it. Like, and, and you're not like self-conscious. This is the character doing it. So you're not thinking about, like, man, how are people going to look at me? Or how is this going to, you know, when you have to be just naked out there, figuratively and, and literally, you can't worry about how you, how you look. And that's freedom. When you're not thinking about, like, how do I look in this thing? How do I, you know, am I doing this right? You just got to be in it. And, and be open and, and, yeah. and show all your any all whatever it is, the that, That's the,
0: so yeah. interesting to hear you say that too, because when you look at hip hop, uh, you know, everything you write, everything you record is scrutinized. Yeah. And you're gonna hear about it. Yeah. And then you're talking about going and being an actor and finding freedom. I, yeah. I mean, it it makes sense. I mean it's
1: also was a certain expression that I hadn't said in hip hop that that I hadn't even discovered about myself, you know, because one thing is I've been blessed with an incredible teacher, Greta Seacat, as an acting coach. And I've started to learn about myself, like that I, things that I didn't know about myself. You understand what I'm saying? So it's, it, and that being said is it creates a freedom in you like, oh yeah, wow, that is part of me. And it's okay that i that I had these issues and I had to deal with this issue or it's okay me to cry about this, or it's okay for me to express that I was fearful about this situation, or that I knew I was a mama's boy at this, you know it's, it's alright, you know and to be able to embrace those things is a freedom and and then to express them through characters or do things through characters that 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 have those
0: issues is, is freedom God, you know, I so relate to that because I think to be a true artist you have to be able to be accepting of all parts of you and yes. and I think that was one of the things I took away from your book your book is incredibly autobiographical yeah. and I wanted to close on something that sort of wraps all that up which is there's a story in your book about a bike mm-hmm. I remember this because I, I once got a bike for Christmas and and I almost didn't want to ride it it looked so clean and perfect
1: yeah I know I had a swim bike and my mother worked hard to get me that swim bike and that it was a swim stingray. And I rode with like my play cousin and friends up to to the store and um one of the guys from the neighborhood, he's like, I want that bike and I was willing to give him the bike at that point. Like I was didn't wanna fight for it and that and to this day, I mean, they 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 was real dudes and it was gonna be a real tough fight, but um I was willing to give up the bike at that time and it was kind of like, I felt really like passive and just scared and it almost like still resonates with me now because it it makes me remember like some things you just got to fight for, man, in life.
0: Yeah, I I mean you said in the book that 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 was a source of secret shame for you, that internally you defined yourself as weak based on this incident that you were going to let you were going to give up your bike, and, and 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 you said that it was almost like until you wrote the book, you sort of had denied a lot of your past.
1: Yeah. I had to learn to find that strength in me again, like, to be like, okay, I'm not weak. Uh, you know, look, I'm a person of love, but, I, you know, I got to stand up for myself. Yeah, that was one of the biggest lessons. You got
0: to stand up for yourself. What you're talking about with acting... As well, it's like this idea that I can look at myself without a filter and without shame and, and accept all those parts of myself and, yeah. and let the world see them. And that's freedom because if you don't have to hide those things, then that, that's truly the, you know living a life that's free. That's right? free.
1: There's living a life that's free. And, um, you know, it's important that, that you find those parts of yourself because sometimes you don't. Find them. And I thank God that I was writing the book. I thank God that I am an actor because I wouldn't have had the, the opportunity to find those parts of myself that I have overlooked or things that that have been like darker places in me and issues that I didn't even know I had. You know, and obviously for average for anybody who is going through different things so you know you find that expression in different ways some people therapy has works the acting helped me to to look at those parts of me
0: well I'll tell you that I think that you know as autobiographical as as your music is the book must have been a whole nother level of having to look at yourself and and put it out there, I mean, that must have been, that must have been a hard thing to do, especially the way, you know, some of the things you shared, there's a, there's a, you know, your mom has a big presence in this book. You let her sort of take the book, read it, and write her own passages. Yeah,
1: because my mother is is the most important person for my life, in my life. Um, She obviously has given me and taught me so many things Um, has loved me as a mother would but just as like um, a guide and somebody who you know, you know, okay God gives you these parents and some people, you know, believe that you choose your parents, but whatever she, my mother and I was supposed to be on this planet together because without her I wouldn't have developed into, and wouldn't be developing into the human being I am. And to have my mother be a part of the book, I think you know, it I really loved the response I because so many mothers came up to me and was like, "Oh wow, I guess I'm doing the right thing with my son." Or, or your mother right. helped, helped me figure out ways that I can work with things with my son, and I'm not all, always messing up with my child or my children. So, you know, I'm glad. You know, my mother's a teacher, and she's taught me a lot, and has been like my my best partner in, in this on this planet. So, I hold her up high and, and grateful to it. You know, to have her.
0: Yeah. Well, listen, your mom did something right. No, thank you. It seems like you want to keep putting yourself in vulnerable positions and, uh, and keep accepting the responsibility of, of w- what you've taken on and what what your work has, you know, the audience it's given you. And and uh, following your career is fascinating. So I, I wish we could talk more. I would thank like it. Thank a, you. Sam. It's a fascinating conversation. I
1: appreciate you a lot, man. Yeah, thanks for being here this. with me.
0: Yeah, thank you. Hey folks, that's our show for this time. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. I have to say I also enjoyed digging deep into Common's back catalog. I would say definitely check out his new group August Green and go back and listen to Black America again and his seminal 2005 record B. And if you want to know a whole lot more about this talented artist, read his autobiography titled One Day It'll All Make Sense. And if you want to make sense of the whole off-camera thing, there's no better place to start than our website, offcamera.com. You can sign up for a monthly subscription, which allows you to watch every show we have ever made on any device you want, as many times as you want, for only $4.99 a month. So please, check out the site, check out the store. I want to thank everyone on the off-camera staff. We wouldn't be able to put out a show each week without these fine people, and I feel lucky to work with each one of them. There's Crawford Shippy, my producing partner and the nicest guy in the world. Nathan Shields, our edit and sound guru. Michaela Galvin, our nocturnal graphic designer and visual whiz. Cara Johnson, our witness protection transcriber, Amy Jones, our literary conscience, and of course, Matt Davidson, the man with the lovable limp and the endearing lisp. And of course, the biggest thank you goes out to you, the listener. Oft times I've wondered the strange places this podcast gets listened to, and I admit to a bit of romantic embellishment in imagining off-camera being played through headphones on a train in the Swiss Alps or during a mountain bike ride in the Colorado Rockies, or late at night in the French Quarter of New Orleans. But wherever you hear the show, thank you for tuning in and for hopefully telling your friends all about us. Without you, we wouldn't be here, and I sincerely appreciate you giving us your time. If you want to reach out directly and tell me how, where, or why you listen, I am Sam at OffCamera.com. If you want to tell the rest of the world what's on your mind in regards to our show, we are Off Camera Show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And I can be found as Sam Jones on Twitter and Sam Jones Pictures on Instagram. See you next time, Off Camera.